Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters uh, with me, Steve Wraith, with Neil Mitchell, with Burra Mag, Joe, and Steve Hasty, who's had his hair done by the looks of it. Hi, Steve. Hello. Looking good. Oh. <laughs> You've changed your voice, Steve, a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> especially, especially for that idiot down in, down in Perry Hill. <laughs> it was so oh, yeah, I do, mate. It's a good job you can laugh about it. What's your dog called, Steve? This is Spencer. Hello, Spencer. Go on. <laughs> yeah, brilliant on, stuff, mate. Brilliant stuff. Well done, Spencer. Excellent. Get a doggy treat of your dad. <laughs> so, here we are, lads. One year later. And uh, unbelievable, really. Um, first of all, that we've all survived another year. But, um, you know, ultimately that... Newcastle United have been owned by PIF, the Rubens, Manda, Mia Dad, for a year. And, and, and there's been all kinds of emotions going around um, Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram, etc., uh, TikTok. Some wonderful videos. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've sat back and watched a few of them today. Um, people sharing their memories of the, the day and, um, you know, where they were when they found out. And of course, the best one was the the factory photograph to our birthday boy today, Joe. Happy birthday, Joe! Uh, <laughs> Twenty one again, mate. But yeah, it, it's just been amazing. I've I've soaked I've soaked it in. Um, obviously, I put out a tweet which you know covered all the bases as far as we were concerned. Um, we did out a few trolls and got a few trolls of the weekend. But it was uh, it was you know it even that doesn't bother me these days. I just I sit back with pride. Knowing, you know, that we played our part, and uh, to jump on loaded last night, um, as a few of us did, it was it was good to be able to see a few of the lads who shared the journey with us during lockdown and and shared that takeover journey with us, and it's just fantastic. And the club has made fantastic strides forward in such a short space of time. And I think the one message that's coming round loud and clear from everybody, including. Amanda, me and dad, Jamie, I've watched their videos on the official club uh, YouTube today, um, is that we're only really just beginning. And we, we saw the chairman's letter yesterday, which went to all season ticket holders. I read it out on the show last night. And it's it, it, there is unity there. And, and there is this opportunity for us to to wake up the sleeping giant, which is what we all wanted. Um, you know, 12 months ago, we were hoping for that opportunity to, to wake up the sleeping giant, to have a bit of hope and to have that opportunity to be able to not slouch up the St. James's Park on a match day, but to walk up the St. James's Park with a spring in my step, to get there early, to, you know, to sample the atmosphere, to go and watch what the, you know, the team are doing in the pre, pre-match warm-up, to... Watch war flags in all their in all their splendor and glory. They, you know, stand at half time instead of going downstairs and listen to Rob Byron and listen to what his tune selection is as the stadium announcer and um, you know, hear what he was going to play at the end when Newcastle win a game and, and and you know, just all the little things which make you know going to Newcastle United, St James's Park, 
such a special, special thing and what, what brought us all together as, as, as mates. And ultimately for me, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not just a period of reflection, but it's a period of, uh, of looking forward now, you know, and just looking forward to what, you know, what, what the future holds with the club. We all hope that we get the opportunity to, to be able to see Newcastle ultimately win that elusive trophy that's eluded us domestically since 55 and, you know, in, in Europe since 69. And collectively, we're all, we all want to do and see that for our own personal reasons, not only because we're fans, but because we probably all lost somebody close to us who was a Newcastle fan, who was black and white daft, who ultimately never got that opportunity. Those people who lived between 69 and, and now, you know, you know, who deserve the opportunity to see Newcastle win a trophy just as much as we did, don't get that opportunity. But with these owners, we've got that hope back. And uh, it's fantastic. It really is. It's a, it's, it's a day we should all be celebrating and we are going to later on and, and hopefully raise a few quid for the food bank. But, um, you know, not often I actually have much to say on these shows. I present them and I, I, don't, I don't have too much of a say. But, you know, it's just nice to be able to express how I feel and what my... My opinions are, and ultimately the, you know, the, the actual day of the takeover. I've seen Liam Kennedy, Steve, a couple of others posting photographs of where they were on the day and this, that, and the other. And where was I? I was slouched on my settee watching it all unfold on TV because I was an emotional wreck. And you know, I I spoke to John Woff, who's coming to the uh, the Irish Centre tonight. Um, and you know, he just said, Steve, you know, you know, it's no the wonder you're feeling like this. You've been pushing an immovable object for what must seem like years, you know. And he says, and you've been in the thick of it for the last couple of years. And he said, you know, you've done great. You've done well. And you should be proud of your achievement. And listen, I, I was a small cog in a big wheel of, of people. And it wasn't me who put the money up. But I helped massively with that, you know, that initial... Yeah, and I and I, I I made sure I contacted Owen Brown today and Richard Green. Um, you know, Richard Green, they were big parts of it. Richard passed away during during COVID, but I, I contacted Owen and, and said thank you for what him and what him and Richard had done. You know, they played a huge part in the takeover. They introduced Amanda to the football club when they were looking elsewhere. She brought them, you know, he, he brought her and me and dad to St James's Park, and it was supposed to happen. Supposed to happen the, you know, the previous home game, but they didn't turn up. And I thought, tyre kickers, time wasters. I'd heard that phrase used. I'd heard Amanda's name mentioned and didn't think it was going to happen. But then, lo and behold, they arrived uh, at Liverpool at home. And it was incredible. They turned up. They, you know, they sat on the table in the Heroes Lounge. People who were there will remember seeing them. And um, it was Rafa Benitez's table under, under Richard Green's name. And we just sat there and we... We talked football. I was placed deliberately by Owen in the middle of Amanda and Mia Dad. Um, my brother Rob was to the right of Mia Dad. My dad was next to my brother. And then there was Richard. There was his son. There was his daughter. And then there was Owen. And it was it was surreal for me because I felt a bit under pressure to to actually sell the club to to Amanda. Um, they were there, so they were already halfway there. You know, one had got them up to, up to the up to the club, but they asked me a lot of questions about the club, about the history, about the community, and the connection between the club and the community, about the you know about the fans and and you know how they felt at this moment in time, how they would feel about a Saudi takeover, um, and you know, and, and basically what what the fans would expect, what what would they what would they want to see, what would they expect straight away. 
Um, what kind of you know what kind of football do they do the fans expect? A lot of questions were being fired, and what what people have to understand is that I could only ever give my opinion. I couldn't give an opinion for fifty two thousand plus all those around the world, but I could only give my opinion, and it's it's one which some people agree with and some don't agree with, but. I think most of us can get those kind of facts right. You know, we want to see a team that tries. We want to see a team that, you know, gives us hope. And we want to, uh, you know, we want to see a team that ultimately wins something if we can. Um, easy questions to answer. But, you know, I, I just I just basically accentuated the positives. And, you know, the beauty of that game that you came to, the Liverpool game, was that Newcastle fans were at their very best. And it was difficult to be at your very best during that whole Ashley era because, as we all know, it was it was awful at times. You know, we were sitting on our hands uh, to keep warm. We were never out of our seat because we didn't have any flare players. We were, you know, we were. It was just dull. It was it was as dull as dishwater. And we did trudge up to the ground. But that game that she came to. And because there was murmurings, um, I think it was, you know, a couple of the journalists had, had put it out there, uh, probably George Colton, if, I, if my memory serves us correctly, that Amanda Stavely was there. Craig Hope, I think, put it out as well. And that Amanda Stavely was there. Now, there was a buzz. There was an anticipation. But War Flags um, had done a little display and Newcastle fans were up for it. It was Liverpool at home. And we got a great, we got a great result that day. We got a, we got a, a you know, a draw. We, we, were, we were up for it. But the roar of the crowd, the the noise generated by the crowd, um, it, you know, helped, I guess, because, you know, Liverpool are such a big team and have a big away support as well. But it was amazing for her to see that. And she looked around that stadium, as did me and dad. They looked around that stadium and they said, this will do for us. And that afternoon, um, we, we, you know, those of you who've been in corporate will know we went back into the in for half time. We sat and chatted at half time about the game, and then we came back out again for the second half, and the same again in the second half. And and when we were, when we went back in for the for a coffee at the end of the game or a drink at the end of the game, Amanda was conspicuous by her absence, and she had gone at that moment along the road along the the corridor um, from the heroes lounge turned left and gone to the chairman's suite and she knocked on that door and got permission to go in to speak to Lee Charney. Mike Ashley wasn't there that day, but she doorstepped Lee Charney and said, I want to buy a football club. And that ultimately is where this journey began properly. That was it. And there'll never be a statue of Owen Brown or Richard Green, but they should never be forgotten in this whole saga because they were great. And they gave me that opportunity to sit in there with them on a regular basis for three years when Rafa was at the club. They also gave me the opportunity to, to speak to Amanda Stavely, to be the first Newcastle fan to, to, to speak to her about the football club. It's something she'll always remember, and me a dad, and it's something I will never forget. And as the video came out from the club today, I had to smirk because I deliberately didn't sit next to Amanda and me a dad, if you remember. I left... I left a gap and I didn't want to sit in front of them because I knew the media glare would be on them. And I knew if there's anything going to scupper a takeover, it's going to be Steve Wraith being involved. The fans will be split 50-50. Um, but, but ultimately, my seating arrangement worked perfectly. Unfortunately, it meant that my brother and my dad were smack bang in the middle of this um, footage of Amanda and Mia dad when she was on the phone, etc. And when the club put the video out today, <laughs> there's Amanda and Mia dad turning left, to, uh, turning left along the road to speak to me. Uh, I'm out of shot, but there's my dad and my brother sitting in front. So 
it, it, it's funny. I can look back on that and laugh. Um, the, my dad at the time, by the way, as a little side note, was working at Sunderland University, full of mackups. Um, who <laughs> were going, we didn't know you supported Newcastle. My dad kept it very quiet down there, believe you me. But yeah, a, a, amazing journey. Um, and, and the reason I've shared that with you is because my opening gambit to the lads is, and, and I'll start with you, uh, Neil, is where were you when you when you heard the news? How did you feel? And then the second question is, how do you feel one year on? Hmm. I was actually at work, um, three hours ahead of you lot, and something had been bounced around Twitter, a flight manifest, and it hadn't come from Newcastle Airport, it had come from an airport down south, and it had all the right names on, not just Amanda and my dad, but all the lawyers and the signatories and the company secretaries, and you name it, that were on that manifest, flying to Newcastle, and they're like, Shit, this is happening. We'd had an inkling and a murmuring, but that was the first time the penny dropped with me. Yeah, this is it. As the takeover went through, I was again at work the next day, um, and a small group of Geordies decided decided to meet up in Goodfellas, which is the bar that me and Stu talk about quite a lot. Unfortunately, Goodfellas had been shut to transgress some sort of COVID. Um, laws at the time and we'd been shut for a week and find a load of money and so I had to go to the, the, the hotel was opening the, the, the nightclub upstairs rock bottom uh, early for the for the and I've never been in rock bottom with the night the lights on until that day um, it was a sight to behold I tell you that um, but then that was it there was a small group of chordies in there uh, singing my hearts out and sinking the beers um, it was different for me to you guys in some respects, being an expat. Over the last few years, I've almost become a cultural, an unofficial cultural attaché to the Middle East. Um, and the significance of this takeover going through had so many people in the Middle East talking. Um, and so it was hard not to be carried on a wave. My, my flatline came about two days after. Because I, I felt like I was trying to prop you lads up a little bit because he was, you, you in particular, Steve, you were flat as a fart, man. <laughs> you, you just went flat like, bang, gone, done, exhausted. While I'm bouncing around um, a badly lit, lit, lit nightclub dropping Jaeger bombs and, and singing singing the Blading Races, you know? Um, but yeah, my, my flat line come a little bit later. Um, when I realised I'd spent most thick end of 14 years of my life fighting to get Mike Ashley out of the club in one way, shape or form, what do I do now? <laughs> um, and that was that was a bit of an odd feeling. Um, I got caught up a lot in doing bits and pieces out here for media out here, be here in Dubai and Arab News and Saudi. Um, so that really was, for me, kept us ticking because I had things to, things to knock out and interviews to do and what have you. Um, and from there, it's just been fascinating to see the growth in the region. Fascinating to see the region, the way the, the regional politics are starting to shift now. The way you've got the, the, the rivalry in the UAE between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and you're seeing Dubai-based companies actually jumping on the Saudi bandwagon rather than getting behind Man City, like noon 
for example. Um, they want to go and play with Big Brother because this is how he works in the region. Everybody wants to jump on a winning horse. Um, I think our fan base has got a lot to learn about accepting new support. And it's going to come from strange places. And we've got nothing other to do than accept it with grace and embrace it, in my opinion. Um, Berating somebody because they used to support Liverpool out here, that doesn't cut any mustard at all. Because that changes like the wind. They jump on the winning horse and they follow big name players. Um, And you'll see all of this happen in time, I'm quite sure. There hasn't been a pack of hidden Geordies in the desert drinking their own wee for 40 years waiting for their time to come. Um, that that isn't how it works out here. Everybody's going to migrate to it. Some sooner, some later. But believe you me, as that momentum grows, it will grow, and you will see momentum uh, in this region. Um, and it's been a hell of a year, and it's still really again the phrase I've used the last couple of days. It's still just the beginning of the beginning. We're not even at the end of the beginning, and. Um, to hear the chairman's words yesterday was quite significant. To get a very clear message from him. Um, Pithart in this to lose. Saudi don't get involved with things like this to finish second. That's not the objective. and never will be the objective. But I think what they are creating, um, They've taken what was the best value proposition club in Europe at that time and already grown with probably threefold. If you look at what Chelsea's being sold for, you look at our position in the league at the, at the minute, you look at how we're playing, you look at our squad, you look at the ground, etc., 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 etc. What they bought for 300 million, they could probably sell for a billion right now, market value. And they've only just started. <laughs> and and the only way to gain momentum in the Middle East is to have one in stuck on a trophy somewhere. Um, and I think that's, again, got to be a clear objective. And they're making it clear that that's one of the objectives. Um, I think people don't understand, however, over the four year that this has sort of unfolded. If you start with Amanda and Amedad being at that game with you, Steve, um, how many different moving parts have come into play during that time? How many other things were going on in the background that either we were aware of um, or we were directly involved in, uh, in one way, shape, form or other, that all brought this to play? It's not just a simple case as somebody from PIF walking up and saying, I want to buy this club. Um, it's been a battle for hearts and minds in lots of different ways. And there's been distractions and side turns along the way. But the determination of Amanda and Maydad to get this deal done um, and being a driving force behind that bit, I think, has got to be one of the things that stands out for me over the, the, the past year is they've not lost that drive and that will. They've carried that forward in what they've done. I mean, they, they were effectively running as CEO and sporting directors on their own with the help of Eddie Howe for a long period of time. Um, and yeah, they got some things wrong, but I, I've got to say, um, a lot of it was done well and done right and was always done with the best of intention, and that's all we ever want. We want custodians of the club that actually give a shit 
and give the same level that we give. And that's what we have. Um, but that's now very clearly that's from the top as well. That's not just them banging a drum to keep everybody happy. That comes from PIF too. And the interactions that, you know, Steve's had, for example, with certain people connected to, to PIF and uh, Saudi Gulf recently, the buzz is very much there when you hear what the conversations he's been having. And so um, I think it, it's been said probably too much, but the return of hope to Tyneside for me is the most significant thing out of all of this. We don't, we've been accused of being all sorts by lazy stereotypes in the media. Um, and all we've ever wanted is a chance, a puncher's chance to go in and go toe to toe with the great and the good. And we've showed we can this season already. We'll go blow for blow in the centre of the ring and say, right, let's bring it on. And so, and that's all we wanted because we knew once we get that, the synergy that's created between the city, the club, the community and the fan base has the potential to be an absolutely irresistible force. And and that's what I want to see grow from here. Uh, welcome, Keith, doing your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, I, was a, I was in a queue in the Sandman and there was 20 Brentford fans stood there. I'll tell you what, I could have clipped 90 of them. I'm going to ask Steve the question, so keep an ear out because you'll be next. Uh, go on then, Steve. Where were you uh, when the news broke about Newcastle United's takeover? And um, how did you feel? And ultimately, how do you feel one year on? Yeah. Uh, like everybody else, I was at home. I was actually laid up. Uh, I'd had a, <laughs> believe it or not, I had a blood clot in my leg. And uh, I wasn't moving around that well. And uh, obviously, I... <laughs> Knowing Keith as we do, <laughs> we'd been keeping in touch constantly over the previous two years, and uh, you know I knew everything that was going on. I, I knew uh, bits and pieces, and I knew how this was, how I thought that this was going to end up. And it was for me, it was like a, it was like a countdown. I, you know, I was sort of scratching off the hours, not just the days, um, waiting for this to happen. And uh, I'd been like that for about a week, believe it or not. And uh, I think I think you guys had as well, if I remember rightly. Um, but when the, when the announcement was made, well, well we, we got this whisper, as Neil said, earlier in the morning. And um, then it then we saw it on Sky Sports. And, and for me, that, that, that sealed up what I had been told. And um, I was I, I, at the point where the announcement was made, around about the, well, it was about the middle of the afternoon. I remember sort of being in touch with you, Stephen. I, I was exactly the same as you. I was on the floor. I don't know why. It, whether it was emotion, whether it was just exhaustion, or whether it was a combination of that plus uh, not not being too of the best of health at the time. Um, and I rang Keith, and, and he said, "He said, yeah, it's 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 definite. We're, we're, I'm in town. I'm I'm in. You know, we're going. We're up there. I'm, I'm I'm meeting Liam. Uh, why don't you come up? And I said, Ah, oh, you know what? I, I I don't think I can. And then my brother rang Jed and and Sonny. They said they were going to go up. They couldn't miss this. You've got to be there. And I said, no, no, no. I, honestly, I don't feel well. I, I came downstairs um, and my wife said, Jeanette, she said, you, you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go along. You know, it, Jed rang her and said, look, I'll, I'll pick them up. I'll, I'll, you know, we're going in the car anyway. I'll pick them up. And, uh, you know, yes, it didn't take much of an arm to be pushed up my back, put it that way. But I, I, I pulled myself around and, and went into town. 
Um, met Keith, met Liam Kennedy. Uh, the two of them went together. We went into uh, we went into nine bar and uh, we got ourselves at a table, and we just we just kept staring at each other, kept staring at the TV, um, soaking it all in. Um, I think Keith was exhausted as well. Uh, Liam was just Liam. He was high as a kite because I think it had all passed him by, you know, for the previous nine months, hadn't it? You know, he hadn't a clue what was going on, Liam. Uh, but it was just, it was just. It, once we got out into the street, it was just euphoric. But I'll take you back. I mean, I, now how do I feel? I, I feel, I feel exactly the same. I feel um, that the when I when I when I got home that night, and I feel exactly the same. I've got that, still got that buzz. And I think that buzz will always be with me, um, because after fourteen years, you know that the. the the takeover, and then a year with the new owners has just been. Yes, it was a fourteen-year roller coaster, but this this year's flown over, absolutely flown over. You, you know, the speed of change at the club has just taken everybody's surprise. But I go back to 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 what you said, Steve, which was the the, the Liverpool game, and if I remember rightly, the previous game. Uh, when we spoke, and you said, you know, something's going to happen here. You look out for it, and then it didn't, and then. You told us what was what was going on, um, and I was just like, I just remember when the, the, there was a, somebody put a picture up in the strawberry after the game on their phone and said, "Look who was at the match and look who's sitting there." And I went, "I told, I knew it, I knew it." And this from that moment on, I knew there was something really, really big going to happen. We roll on a little bit. Obviously, we had Pizza Gate and we had the, the the fallout, and it looked as though the whole thing was gone. Then, at that time, if you remember, um, our friend Andrew Davies put me and Neil in touch with um, with the BZG Group, and um, we started to have a have a conversation. We'd watched this dialogue that had been going on on Twitter, not so much a Twitter spat, but we had this guy who was talking about wanting to buy Newcastle, and we, we'd we'd observed that. And then Andrew said, look, you know, this is getting out of hand. I'm going to introduce you to him. So we started a correspondence with him, which resulted in, believe it or not, me going over to Dubai, um, meeting Neil. And then one afternoon, the two of us going along to his office, um, which overlooked the Burj Khalifa. Um, I think it was Tower One, Neil, if I remember rightly. Aye. 17th, 17th story. Went into the into his office. It was the biggest office you've ever seen in your life, um, with a with a little desk tucked at the end, and this little diminutive character. Um, and he started telling us what his plans were, what he, what he wanted to do for the football club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think it was a couple of hours later. We were in there for a good two and a half, three hours. Maybe it's two and a half hours into it. Easy. I think you just said you do realise that the word is that. That Amanda's still going to be buying the club, and not only that, but we've heard a whisper that it's actually um, MBS and the, the the PIF group that are, are the partners. And he just went, "I'm out, <laughs> I'm out, I'm not competing with them." <laughs> That's it. We kind of compete them. We 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 got the giggles, but it was the look on his face. And then I remember leaving, came home, um, we carried on the. Co- the, the dialogue. He said that it didn't think that was right, but he was going to get in touch with them. Um, he did get in touch with them, and he, and he he then told us he was definitely out. Um, there was no way that that it, that he was even 
going to put his name or the, 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 uh, his particular um, boss was going to put his name to something that was going to go into competition with, with an organisation like PIF um, in terms of trying to chase, chase the football club. He knew also that there was no way that there was any uh, inroad that they could get involved in. So that was when we we were then sort of convinced that there was something much much greater, and obviously then we had the we had the eighteen months um, during the COVID during the lockdown, um, and I, we don't need to go into what we actually did um, and who we were talking to. I think it's plainly obvious from the photographs that that, that were on Twitter um, and the, and what you said with uh, with John Woff, but. Neil, yourself, myself, John, and two other incumbents um, were deep in conversation for quite a long, long period of time. Um, Keith, on the on the other side, had set his NCSL up, and um, we were talking to Keith. Keith was very open. Uh, obviously, I knew Keith, and I was able to introduce you two guys to him. And uh, I resumed a friendship with Keith, and you developed a friendship with Keith. You two. Um, that probably transgressed the whole thing. It, you know, it cut right across everything. Um, and here we are today. He's sitting down there. He's, this is the quietest he's been in three years because I haven't given him a word in edges. I think it's because he's muted. But uh, <laughs> are you oh, he's coughing. He's not, he's not muted. Bloody hell, he is quiet. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll move on and, and, and just say that... Uh, the excitement is still there. The buzz is still there. The buzz will continue. Um, I look at the youngsters and I think, you know, be a little bit more gracious, be a little bit more um, humorous, uh, be a little bit more tactful in what you say, um, but also be aware that uh, the face of Newcastle United um, and the history of Newcastle United is going to pass to you guys eventually. You're going to see something great. Um, don't take it for granted. Um Deal with it respectfully and respect the rest of the fan base, um, because for the last what fifty years, that's what we've done: um, respected our elders, respected the fan base, um, listened, learned from our parents, our grandparents, um, and we were on a shocking journey. They're going to be on a great journey, and I wish them all the best. But please, please do it respectfully. Great, great stuff, Steve. Um, thanks for, for sharing your memories. Mm. Keith, a lot different for you, mate. Um, you were on the other side of the table for us, but I'm still going to ask you um, the question uh, that I've asked the lads. You know, first of all, um, where were you when you heard the news and, and how did you feel? And um, how do you feel now, 12 months on? Um, it was different for me. I, I, I knew that um, information got through us at the club um, and the EPL, um, who started crumbling as early as July earlier. If you remember on my birthday, um, you, like a lot of you, come down there, you know, uh, Joe, Zen, Steve, and both Steve's, and you got up and did a presentation to us, and you give us this watch, the John Allen, the NCSL watch. And I remember you getting up and saying, uh, <laughs> you, you had all my people thinking I'd lost the plot because you said, Keith thinks this is still going through. We don't. We think it's over. But he still thinks it's going through. Anyway, he got this watch. And and when I went, some of the people were saying, like, they know more than you. That's Steve Ace. He's Dave Wraith. They've been doing this for years. And, like, you just turned up and you think it's going to go through. And, and it, there was loads of doubts. I had the bloke, John Texter, who bought Crystal Palace. And I think he's just bought a French club as well. And he was messaging us and talking to us 
you know, at, at length. Uh, because he said, he said, if 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 you'd work with us, he says, I put a bid in for Newcastle, and you know, I, I still have an interest. And I, I and but he told us that. But what they do is they raise the finance. That's what Americans do. They raise the finance, and they put the stock market. And I just said, I said, Newcastle fans wouldn't go for that. And I says, I said, I don't know who you think I am. I says, but if you think I can convince our our fan base to switch from you know, PIF to a mortgage, I says, not a chance. Yeah, you know, it's not going to happen. And he, he, you know, he was a lovely fella. And he went on board Palace. And uh, I, I went from all those conversations where I got nervous because because of any time Mike actually got and had enough. You know, and, and and you probably haven't heard me. I've never, I've never since I've started on this takeover slaughtered Mike Ashley. And the reason being is, I'd I'd, I'd written him letters myself complaining in the past, and I give Steve Reid. Steve Hasty and Colin Whittle, the leaflets for Ashley out. I printed them. I give them a 40,000 leaflets as a donation, just as a mate. I stuck them in an alley in Newcastle and they found them. So if I'm doing all this Ashley out crap, how can I stand there, knock on his door and say, look, I know, you know, I know you don't love the fans, but but you want to go, you want to sell it, we want you to sell it. Can I can I open the door for you? Can I keep the door ajar? And, and they listen to us. And trust me, if I didn't have the cap case, and if I didn't have the evidence, uh, they would have just shot us out quickly. But the one question they asked us, there's, there's two things that they were fed up with. One was, one was, why did you put in your documents to the Premier League when you tried to sell the Premier League? Why did you say the club's been run terribly for 14 years? And I said, well, because it has. And I said, but I didn't say that. And he said, he said, if you said that, Mike Ashley's never going to back you. I said, well, I didn't say that. Robert O'Donoghue said that. What, us, what we said is, why do you want to put that in, Robert? And Robert said, if you don't separate yourself from Mike Ashley, they'll say this has just been an Ashley fiddle. They'll say this as you just put the front on for him to fund us. It's fair enough. And I said, well, I'll get Robert on you to prove to you that he convinced us that that had to go with the documents. Second thing he asked is, he said, he said, he said like, what, why, do you, why do you think that, um, that you could help us? And I said, well, first thing I want to ask you is, do you know why the takeover got turned down? And he paused for a bit. He said, no, I don't. And I said, well, I do. And if I could produce a document that would be illegal, that would help your case. Without that, I don't think you'll win. I don't think arbitration is ever going to get this case. So he led us through all the people. And I was talking to you by this stage. So I think out of courtesy, when the week came that they did the deal, they did the deal on the Saturday. Um, by the Monday, um, the club were telling us quite openly that they smashed the Premier League legally. They said legally we smashed them key. Um, we knew what what they couldn't do. The, the Premier League wanted to run the arbitration at one stage because they get a two to one majority, but they didn't want the cat case to run. And I was taking abuse. You know, I had I had somebody one night on one of your shows, somebody said, "Oh, this bloke Yusuf," and I didn't hear what you said. And I said, oh, and "I just made a glib comment." I said, "Useless," and all oh, the world come on us because I've called some lawyer useless. I didn't know I was a palm reader at the time and I was very accurate in what I said. But the thing is, people are criticising me and telling us that the cap won't run, the cap won't win. And Yusuf was telling people that that um, the arbitration is the only thing to win this and the cap will have no impact. Like, I haven't got a clue. There was much clue with Albert and Curlington from yeah, that to turn around and say that the cat's not important. And the cat documents, the documents in the cat, was the only disclosure you're ever going to get to a Newcastle and them that was going to give them, um, like, like, a win. There's the only thing that was going to say, what you've been doing is illegal. Without proving illegality and cartel behaviour, this didn't happen. But my fear all along was that Ashley was going to take another offer. 
And when I went down to Rotherham with Steve Wraith and Liam, you know, I, I, I look back now and maybe it was a mistake, but I had that much faith in Steve and Liam. I was talking to Robert Donio on the phone and I just let them hear it. And it was what I was used to every day, but it was quite... I asked him a question. I said, if you were trying to stop this going through, what would you do? And Robert told me, Liam, Steve, what he would do kind of thing. And he showed that you could actually stop the case if you cleverly did certain things. It was all about delay. And that was the night when everybody went glum. And that was the night when everybody lost a bit of faith because Robert knew a way around delaying this for two years. And that would have meant no takeover. Piff wouldn't have waited. The PIF wouldn't have waited two years. Ashley wouldn't have waited two years. And that was my only fear. Coming up to the time when Steve asked the question, what did you think that day? I knew on the Monday it was it had been passed by the Premier League. On the Tuesday, um, I was told not to say anything. I'd promised Declan Donnelly of Hunt and Death that I would tell him. Um, and that's the only person I told. I didn't tell my brother. You know what I mean? And, and I didn't... I just sat there, I was at my girlfriend's house and I just sat there and I thought, hey, shit, I'll have to ring Dick. And I rang him. And that's where the trending on Twitter of shit a brick came out because he just, he just repeated the thread, I am shit a brick. And he says, you're joking, aren't you? And he says, we've been in the studio all day and everyone had been ringing him and Anthony were recording that, that money programme. And he says, we, we've been down that short day, Keith. And he says, like, it, it's just gone nuts. And everyone's saying, what's happening, what's happening? And Anthony's saying, give Keith a ring, give Keith a ring, he'll know and I says, well, I can tell you, I said, but you can't tell anyone. And, and Goodry's word, I mean, it, it never got out from him. But um, the next day, I spoke to Liam, who'd been Goodry's all the way through. And I just said, look, uh, it, it's definitely getting announced today on the Thursday. And you've got like, you've got Sky Sports saying, ah, the Premier League's still got a lot of things to do here and all the rest of it. And, and the reason it was announced on the Thursday, it wasn't the fact that there was a piracy agreement made on the Wednesday. It was because that's when the club, and the buyers got their act together. That's when that's when the PIF money's come through, and that's when they were able to transact the deal. And what the club did was they're not going to announce it on a, on a, on a Monday morning um, when it's when it's expected until both parties are ready. So there was not, nothing to do with the Premier League on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's already been signed off. It, the, the 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 parties that the buyers and sellers agreed on the Saturday they would do the deal, but it was transacting it. It's you know it's it's, it's a big thing to transact. 305 million and to take on all debts, accounts, bank accounts and all the rest of it. So all that was put in place and agreed. And when they had everything in place and it was all done, that's when they decided to announce it on the Thursday afternoon. I got a second phone call to say, because um, I said, why was it not announced on the Wednesday? And they said, it's going to be tomorrow. They'll definitely be tomorrow. And I'm thinking, you know, 10 o'clock, what's happening? So mid midday, midday, I phone Liam. I says, oh, I can't sit in the dorm any longer. I won't have to go. And I'll come to town. He says, me too. So we just agreed to meet in the town. We stood with a load of reporters uh, outside the Bobby Robson stadium. And it was, <laughs> they were all there. They were all like trying to pick the news up and saying, you know, trying to find out if it's going through. And I just looked at Liam and they looked at me and I just said, it's mad this, like, it's mad. I says, it's been signed since Saturday. It's been all agreed since Saturday. And I says, you know, Monday night, Justin Barnes, it wasn't Mike actually did the day, Justin Barnes did all this deal. He was the one who lays with Amanda and me, Dad. I had, had you four talking to the, to the owners and I had a link to them and they sent messages through you to me and, and it was great because we were all together. So so there was nothing the buyers were doing that you didn't know, nothing the sellers were doing that, that I didn't know. You know what I mean? So so we were all just one. But the one thing we did is none of us went to spouting it off. None of us went off and said, oh, do you know this? None of us told our best mate, inverted commas, because once one finds out, it's not a secret. So 
there was total confidentiality in what you did and what I did. And and it was the club. I mean, it was Justin Barnes who told me, he said, you need to get out there. You need to get into a, it's like a podcast or you need to get into a, the media and calm the fans down and tell them this is going to happen if they just stay calm. So that's what drew, drew me towards you, is to think, well, I need to get in among it. And Steve Hasty was the link, because I'd known him and he trusted us, and, and he said, not, he's for real. Colin Whittle will give us a, a, a reference to you, lot to look at, if Keith's involved, he's kosher, it'll be, it'll be real. And then you was like, took us under your wing and, and took us onto the podcast. First night on the podcast was was like, like honestly, it was like, it was like, it was like it was like walking on a carousel with with the cases at the airport and having no clothes on. And I was thinking, whoa, what am I doing here? Because it was weird. You know what I mean? You lot's all there. And I'm like, like I'd watched the podcast. And like I thought Steve Wraith must have had training because he was like, you know, so polished and it was so good. And 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 then Mitch used to just come up with things that were hilariously funny. And I just thought, ah, they, they, these are, you know, they they they, they, they they you know, like you were pros, and I thought, what am I doing on here? And I went on that night. And I had a dog called Ashley. It was the oldest Alsatian in the Northeast night, over 19 years old. It died. I was feeling it. It died just as I went on. And this dog's laid dead, 19 years old. I'm thinking, like, and then you guys on the show and you say, right, Keith, is it Ashley in or Ashley out? And I'm thinking, she's dead. You know what I mean? And that whole first show, as it gets, is what probably brought us back. But I think after, at the end of that show, I was just drained. And, and somebody said on here earlier, that night, I think Steve Ace, he said, you know, Jed came over, Sonny came over, me and Steve, and, and we were we were stood by the late, by the Gallagher gates where you where you walked about the ground. And somebody got a football out. And we're all just sat there. We all had we all had pints. I don't to be honest, I don't even know where we got all the drink from. But people kept bringing beers over. And and we, we were just we were just two parts of the wind. But Steve Steve Ace said, Keith was drained. I was absolutely Worn out, nothing. I was, I was. It was such a relief. I would, have, I would have looked like a total mug if this takeover didn't go through. And it, and a lot of people told us that, you know. And you, Steve Wraith will tell us all better that that that, that he always said, never put your head above a parapet unless you you prepare to take what comes. <laughs> and and what I couldn't understand was, he's wise to this. He's got more experience than anybody. But why does he still still stay above the parapet? You know. And I thought, what is it? Why would you keep on doing this? I couldn't understand why you, why you, you know, like, like I had threats at one stage I had to move out my house because, you know, people said they were real. And it was just, it was one organisation. And I just thought, this is mad. Like, me, and, you know, my missus had to go and I went, stayed with my brother and my best pals are listening. He said, you're nuts. You're absolutely crackers what you're doing. And when you put all that together, there was a draining feeling. So I think where Steve Wraith went into, this has been four years in the making, Steve and Mitch would have had some time where they weren't just punching the air. I think a man who punches the air is somebody who's just heard that takeover was gone through and didn't expect it. Because there was loads of people who now are big voices on, on, on the Newcastle scene. There's no way in the world is this happening. Them lots deluded. And you're saying, man, I'm going to clue. But they had more of a clue than anybody. Only they were dignified and they were professional and they kept the trust with the buyers and the sellers. But once once it went through, I think everybody, one of us, like we're like a balloon going off. We were like letting air out, thinking, "Jesus Christ, if that hadn't happened, it's for me for one, I'd have looked like a, a fruitcake." You know, I'd, I'd told, I'd told people that I dearly loved. I promise you, I know you hate what I'm doing, but I promise you, I'll make this happen. I, 
They can't defend this action. If this cat case runs, the day the cat case went, I, honestly, I was like, I was like a forty-five minute fart. There was that much hair coming out of me that day. I was just like, like that, and I just sat there and thought, "Get in, man! You're battered." You and, and all I wanted to do was say, "Go to court," because he went to court. You just slap them round the lug and you just flick them on the nose and everything if they went to court. So we were deprived of that, and that's like a personal, like yeah, it's probably sadistic, but but for me. I get why Steve Wraith went over. We were trying to get him, trying to get him over there. And it, you and did. He went, he went to ground. And, 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 but I understand about my mind. I thought, God, I know exactly what he's doing. Because after I was up there for a couple hours, I could have, if someone had come to the taxi, I could have jumped in it and got home. And there's times I could have cried. There's times Steve said he did when he went home. Steve Hasty needed Tyson out. And I could, I, I just, all oh, I was getting it. I was thinking, I look at him, I says, I get this, like, I says, and then I started thinking, what if it didn't happen? You know, what if it didn't happen? And I, I, that night was just amazing. We went in the, uh, the, the strawberry, and like someone turned around and said, uh, do, do you know how this is? And, uh, and, and then and it was Sam Fender, and like, you know, shook his hand. And like, you know, I mean, no, Christ, I know who he is now, but I didn't know a lot about him. And um, and and he was just stood there, just stood next to us, like 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 three millimeters away, and he just talked away at us. Well. And and then someone someone said to him, "Do you know who that is?" It's, it's NCSL. And I'm thinking, "Oh man, shut up, just shut up, and get a pint." And we did that. And then his mate with that, you know with a saxophone jumped on the bar and the strawberry and started playing uh, local hero. Wow, just I like by then, honestly. And I was I was four shades to win then. But it was great. There was, there was the same way we're in the bottom of the ground, which is where I'm at now. And uh, they did, they were playing football. And Sonny's there, who's a marvellous player. His dad's there, Jed, and, and Steve. And, and this ball was bouncing all over. And then it came over near us, and I just jumped with the end, batted it with my head, nutted it back, heads it right back, like about, about 30 yard head head. Everyone was like, oh, the, oh, that old bloke's just headed that ball. Did you see it? And he just stood there, you think. It was like yeah. adrenaline. You just sit there, but it was a never repeat experience. What was the last part of the question? Because I know I've gone on a bit, but like, how do you feel? How do you feel now, mate? Relieved, but pleased it's over. I'm pleased it's over for Keith Patterson. I'm pleased that I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want any prayers. I don't want any, any anything. All I want to do is just watch Newcastle. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm upset for people that they can't get in. There's a lot of people's, you know. It, it, like, and I'm not just talking about people that stayed with it. There's a lot of people stopped going to get to try and get Ashley out. So there's a lot of people did that, and you know, and, and lost the tickets because they believed that the club's future was more important. But now, um, I love what's happened since. It's been a mind-boggling twelve months. Um, it's been tough in some ways. So like, I've had tough days during that time, and and I just look, I just look at it and just think to myself. It's 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 amazing. I look at people like Trippier and think, what a model professional player you are. I look at people like Gamerish and think, you're one of the best people I've ever seen with a pair of football boots on. I see Miggy smile, and when he smiles, I smile. I look at Sean Longstaff and I think you were whipped for two years before this manager took over. He treat you, he treat you like a dog. Um, you know, Steve Bruce treat Sean Longstaff like a dog, and he, he, he and, and and Matty as well. And for Sean Longstaff to come back and dominate a game like he did last week, I just love what's happening now. You know, I, I can't be happier watching my team be so good. And the only thing that the takeover has given us is hope. It's given us, it's given us belief that we can compete again. 
and it's it, it's telling us that that it's our time. And and Kraken Source told us that we've got we'll, that we'll make proper signings in January, uh, which surprises. I thought we you know, we won't get carried away in January, winter. and I got told no, we they'll, 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 they'll have people coming in January, and I think January will be another message to everybody. I think January will be the follow follow up message to our Romans letter yesterday. You know, his letters telling his letters telling all the people to say you had a good go with your cartel, but it didn't work. We're coming after you. We're going to get you one by one. We're going to get a lot of you. And we're going to win. And we're going to be the biggest. And that's what that letter was for. Was for all those fans to say, Jesus, this is this is for reals now. So I think January they'll back it up with a, with a couple of signings and um, and I, and I, I, I I'm I'm optimistic. I, I, you know, I think this year <laughs> if we're seventh in the league. And we've had all that bad luck and all that VAR. There's every chance that we finish either we think. And at the start of it all, what did I, what did I pick? Did I pick fourth or fifth? I, I was high up, I know that. Yeah, you were, I think you were about fifth, mate, yeah. Fourteenth. Fifth, fifth. I thought we'd finish fifth. But, 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 but I'm like looking at it now, and, and I don't think Arsenal maintain that form. Um, I think Tottenham, you know, I, I think there's a lot of hitty-missy. And, you know, Man United, I think, will come stronger. I think they'll come again. But they got battered last week. But but I just think there's only Man City and probably Liverpool who, who we can't compete with yet, but we will do in time. But last season we battered Arsenal at home, like and they, you know they they they're not a lot different. And we've put players in, so we, we can compete with them people now. And uh, now I just want to sit back, enjoy it, and not be in a position where I could let supporters down again. Great stuff. Last I mean, by I'm no means. <laughs> well, yeah. One person said that they've done about four jobs in the house. Um, Joe, good to see you, mate. When was the? You know what? What was? What was it like for you? Where were you? I mean, we've seen a tweet from you today, but where were you? Um, how did you feel? And um, how do you feel now? Fancy putting me on after that silly old sod. Um, <laughs> it's been well publicised. So, first thing I'm going to say is thank you to everyone for the birthday wishes. It's it's very humbling and very much appreciated. Um, I like everybody else. Um, so I come at this slightly differently. I don't have the history. I don't have the involvement, um, and I certainly don't have the contacts and and being involved in any of the meetings and any of the things that you guys are talking about. What I did was I took part in NUFC matters in the chat um, and the show ticked a lot of boxes for a lot of reasons for me. Um, and then I got to know Mr. Patterson. Um, and do you know what? There was a lot of things written about Keith and there was a lot of things written and said about NCSL. Same with same with you three gentlemen at the top of the screen there. And do you know what? The little bits that I've begun to hear... And as time went on, you, you got to know a little bit more and you got to be involved a little bit more. Do you know what? Every word that you said actually came to fruition. And every tweet that I read that was around, he's talking out of his ass. he's got nothing to do with a letter, who is he, who's this buffoon? And, the, you know, there's there's a couple of people in the chat there I've noticed still going on a year later. But do you know what? It was really nice because what he'd say is, I can't say too much, but, and then that but would come and bugger me it would come off. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it, it was never a case of if for me. Um, it was always a case of when. Uh, Steve Hasty said something there the, the, the first time that I saw um, Amanda with, with the good-looking faction of the Wraith family on telly. Um, it, was, it, it was really, really hit home, didn't it? And what was that, 2017? 
Yeah. And for once you start to think, do you know what? Tire kicker or no tire kicker, something feels real. And whether that was Amanda, whether that was B, uh, BZG that the guy spoke to, whether that was Michael Chopra's consortium and, and anybody else who, who wanted to come along, it felt like we were about to sell our football club. But uh, Mr. Patterson always said to me, there's only one There's only one buyer in the market. And once these guys get involved, you don't want to sell it to anybody else. Then we were hit with the political storm, weren't we, and, and everything else. But I guess for me, um, it was about football. It's always been about football. It always will be about football. Um, and you guys went through it. You guys went through the ring. Um and I was gutted. I've never, uh, you know, I, I was really gutted for you, Steve Wraith. I remember that night and the text were flying around and, you know, um, I, and it, it, it just all felt very, very surreal. But I, I remember with it being my birthday, I was actually, um, I was sat watching Sky and I remember putting it on because I was, you know, we were aware that it was going to get announced that day at some point. And I remember just watching it. And you know that annoying thing on Sky when the, the ticker just keeps going round and round and they play the same story. It's usually about Man United, you know, Ronaldo's got new boots or whatever. And it just kept going and going. And you're thinking, when? When? And I'm texting him and I'm telling when? When's it happening? And we actually went for a pint, sat with the family. Um, and I remember we were sat in a, in a staunch Middlesbrough FC pub synonymous with Middlesbrough FC and I'm looking in the corner of my eye at this Sky Sports thing going on and on and on and it got to about three four o'clock and I'm thinking is, is this happening is it going to come off and I remember coming home and then obviously the very famous now the the you know the infamous kind of Keith Downey statement and just that massive kind of like it was almost disbelief as much as you know you knew it was coming when he actually said those words it it's been sold it's done the ink's dry um you know it was just that kind of wow moment and and to be honest we knew these guys had money um you, you mentioned earlier about Amanda and Murdad doing this on their own pretty much um we had no real idea what was going to happen initially to our football club. Uh, you know, we were taken over. Uh, we were taken over by people who'd never been involved in football before and didn't necessarily have a clue in, in, in that respect. Uh, we were bottom of the Premier League or, or, or certainly close to it. You know, we, we got up for that Tottenham game. We lost and you're starting to think, Oh no! Surely the first thing that this consortium's not going to do is is suffer a relegation, um, and then something magical happened. And I don't know whether it was down to the fans, whether it was down to the change of manager, the change of ownership, something in the water, or a mixture of everything. Um, and suddenly we started to believe again. And and I think the thing that sums it up for me more than anything um, is that word hope. And every single one of you have mentioned it. It's nice now not to be going into an iffy fixture away to Fulham or, or, or at home to Brentford thinking, Ugh, I don't fancy this. Um, it's nice to hear people talking about the future and the plan and the community. And 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 then you start to listen to Al Ramayan and PIF and think, wow, they're talking about money. They're talking about significant amount of money. And if we want James Madison in January, I agree with Keith, let's go and buy James Madison in January. We were not there, you know, 12 months and a day ago. We weren't there. We were down and out. We were heading for the championship and, and arguably we were heading to, to, to where Sunderland were. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting one for me. It was a fascinating one. It was an absolute education. Um and I said it on the actual takeover show that we did 12 months ago. You know, it wasn't just meeting some Newcastle United fans. It was actually making some friends. Um, 
and friends that did what you did and went through what you did and know what you know. Um, wow, it's just a humbling experience for me personally. So for every every minute of sleep you didn't get, um, every tweet that slagged you off, um, I just want to say on behalf of everybody, um, you know, just thank you very much, gentlemen, because... Uh, you know, we can dream again. And I think without hard work, endeavour, arguing, fighting, and God knows whatever else you did, you know, we'd have been languishing at the at the foot of the championship now. So thank you very much. Great stuff, lads. Great to hear your recollections. Dan sums it up perfectly. He says, realistically, you know exactly what you've done. That's all that really matters. The reward is simply just to enjoy the roller coaster with the people worth your time. Dan, great words. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, great to have uh, everybody's opinions. Okay, we've got an hour left of the show. Um, so uh, let us have a few tweets of the week. Lots of good tweets this week and a few pictures sent on WhatsApp and various other social media outlets as well. Mm. Uh, this was one of my favourites. Um Get ready for this. This is bizarre. Ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll just do that again for those of you who are maybe hoovering or making a cuppa. Same kid, same game. Man United top. Man City, Man City top. top. <laughs> and we all know how that game went at the weekend. That is absolutely mental by the way. Uh, this one, uh, my mayor from London always treats himself to a new car whenever Spurs win the league. He's currently <laughs> driving this beauty. <laughs> Very good. I did like that. Uh, this one, accountant, 38, bullied at work, wanted to go out with a bang. So he stole £170,000 from his bosses and he spent it all in one weekend on cocaine and prostitutes. <laughs> the Daily Mail, forever, uh, coming up with some absolute classics. Uh, car basics, when you really want your local council to do some work. I wouldn't suggest doing this, but this guy did. Uh, I've seen more. I've seen holes filled in better on Pornhub, it says. <laughs> I don't know what that is, Mum. I'm telling not, people not to do that. Yeah. Uh, we'll be having sex with robots in the next 10 years, Eddie Webber put. Uh, Mike replied, that robot looks like she's already fed up with her shit. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Greg's. Now, they are kings at times of marketing campaigns. This was a beauty this week, and Spenny shared it with us. Greg's menu as Premier League footballers thread. Ready? Okay, first up. Sausage roll. Erling Haaland. Inevitable. Unsurpassed. Makes you feel bad. The rest never misses. <laughs> Second. Festive bake. Bruno Fernandes. Sensational for a few weeks, but then disappears. <laughs> and the piece de resistance yum yum Bruno Gamares, so irresistible that as soon as you've got it everyone wants a piece <laughs> fantastic Greg's made in the northeast and you can uh, see the influence there Roger Cook brilliant this pulled out a nose hair today to see if it hurt judging by the reaction of the man asleep next to me on the bus it seems pretty painful <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Roger. And he followed that up with this one. I received a phone call today from a lady who kept coughing and sneezing. She was a cold caller. Oh, <laughs> Roger, I like the cut of your jib, son. The jokes are, the jokes are flying. Two more next week. Gareth says, some guy just assaulted me with milk, cream and butter. 
How dare he? <laughs> Very good. Thanks, well, Gareth. Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. And this one uh, from Ian. I'm in the. Uh, I'm in, I'm in the. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to bore you with the details, but the Dyson ball cleaner is a dangerously misleading product name. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ian. This one was doing the rounds as well. For those who finish Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, I recommend Dharma, a suitable follow-up horror show. Tip top. Don't watch on your own while eating a kebab. We're going to watch the Sunderland match, then you can leave. Just get the drill, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Jimmy. Uh, big news for him this week. Uh, we're sending us your best wishes. And he says, tweet of the week. Uh, man shot after throwing shoe at Roach. And somebody put <laughs> Who had the gun? <laughs> Steve Bruce in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, business as usual. Uh, Johnny Shortles uh, put this one out. Is this the right room? Come on in. <laughs> West Brom fan, of course, going into a room full of uh, previous uh, clubs managed by Bruce. This crossover marketing campaign of having a ruthless Targaryen slaying Premier League defences to advertise HBO's House of Dragons really inspired. <laughs> Very good, Sai. He is like a robot, it has to be said. Uh, David Speedy made us all laugh with this one. He says, it's how I felt when he left me out of the 86 World Cup squad. Long may it continue. <laughs> uh, odds Bible this one Man United really paid 70 million for Casemiro to where uh, Ronaldo could have a friend on the bench <laughs> yes not getting a game I think. not getting a game at all and Pete Hind whichever one Steve Bruce manages at any given time what's he answering the away fans saying which team is the most depressing to support in English football <laughs> well done Pete <laughs> Uh, John Lodge on Buy and Sell Bristol. He says, unwanted Christmas present. Lovely sequin cushion. I think it's John Lennon. That's <laughs> 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 shocking. Yeah, I will send this one as well. I don't know whether this is true or not. So apologies to Carl if it isn't. I scheduled an Uber to pick me up outside. Only to find my Uber driver is none other than Carl Court. Such a great lad. So many stories from back in the day. Never wanted an Uber ride to last so long. <laughs> Is that true? Is Cole Court now on Uber? Like uh, Mike Cooper was doing the doors in Chesler Street. It's a strange one, if he is, but good luck to him. Uh, Kid Crimes, uh, a first goal in blue for Aubameyang. Yes, except they're wearing white. <laughs> <laughs> and this one. Uh, horrible scenes at the Etihad as stewards force Man United fans to stay and watch the game. <laughs> Thanks for that, Rob. Uh, lots of these flying around. I didn't want to fit them all in, uh, but obviously Miggy having a blinder, uh, uh, a photo of Jack Grealish superimposed on a phone call. Uh, very good. And this one as well. Grealish's tears from Ian Hull. Yeah, I'm here on certainly finding form and but Grealish wish he'd never opened his mouth. Adam Smith, we did love this. Just married, got the wife up at 4am to drive two hours to watch NUFC with San Diego Mags. What else will we be doing on our honeymoon? <laughs> She looks really impressed. <laughs> Things we do for love. I think that was the song. Uh, 100% Mags says, uh, we set the trends and everyone follows. Yep. There's Man City. Is it Man City? Copying Newcastle United's team photo after beating Manchester United uh, in the uh, Manchester derby. Uh, Sam Porter says, every so often it pops into my head. The VFL Wolfsburg used to have a head coach called Wolfgang Wolf, and it makes me smile. <laughs> One of Zara's classics. 
Uh, and this one from Richie Jenkins, he says, I bet Roy Keane wishes he broke Alfie Holland's cock rather than his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Last few, uh, NUFC threat levels. Starting to feel like Newcastle only conceding the one Holland goal can now be seen as a massive success. I might make a flag. <laughs> Uh, Nick Randall says, Erlen Haaland only scored two in the first half hour. His dip in form is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> he is a machine, like. Um, Kevin O'Sullivan got some stick for this. On my way to Craven Cottage to watch Fulham annihilate the hilariously self-important Newcastle. What could possibly go wrong? Kevin, you are certainly told by Newcastle fans in uh, multitudes. And this one from Paddy Power. Not for us to decided to appoint a sporting director. Might have been a better idea to do that before you blew 200 million on randomly signing 22 players, lads. Says Paddy Power. And this one was for the reply more than anything else. It was a petition set up to have Erling Haaland removed from the Premier League for being a robot. Uh, Peter Crouch says, just needs to score less goals. That's how I got away with it. <laughs> Great stuff. Keep them coming in. Uh, that is Tweet of the Week. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, yeah, keep them coming in. Uh, the first clue uh, for our monthly giveaway from qtechshop.co.uk is this. Washington Whips. Washington Whips. So scribble that down somewhere and uh, you will get three more clues and then a question and a chance to win a prize uh, at the end of the month. Good luck with that one. And as usual, uh, we have the day I met. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, where I ask you to send in photographs of you meeting famous players, managers, whatever. And Jeff had sent these in a while back now, but there's him and Ando. I think Jeff sent in a few before. Thank you for that one. And he sent in this. So I think this was at the Paddle Cup, you know. Um, pretty sure it was anyway. But thanks for thanks for sending that in. I'm not sure if this was yours, Jeff. I can't I can't work out if this is you or not. And this was slap bang in the middle of those two photos, but it's with Peter Beardsley and Andy Cole. Uh, if it's not you. Uh, thanks for sending it anyway. And I had another unnamed one, so I'm getting them out the road. Um, Mickey Quinn is in there as well. Jeff, I think that is you on the left. Uh, very difficult because you wear an array of specs and sunglasses. It was difficult to tell, but that's you and Mickey Quinn, I think, as well. But great stuff. Uh, keep them coming in. The day I met, we will feature you on the show each week. <laughs> Okay, the food bank T-shirt. Uh, this more this week was Shira. Um, it's up to three hundred quid. George Hayes has bid three hundred pound for that one at the moment. Uh, a few other people bidding. Uh, Steve Bennett and George neck and neck again uh, before. But George uh, Hayes is up to three hundred quid. So if you want to get a bid in for that, it's going to be signed by Alan Shearer. Uh, get your bid in ASAP in the next half an hour. 
and we're going to try and raise as much money for the food bank as we possibly can. Okay, there was somebody put a question in, and they actually uh, been reading my mind because this was going to be the next question I was going to ask Mitch, and it is from Edward F. Um, he says, given the rapid progress we've made in the last 12 months, where do you think Newcastle United will be in 12 months' time? Mitch? It's mm, an interesting one. Um, given the amount of obstacles that people keep, keep seeming to invent to try and get in more way, I guess the speed of progress is, is a little more difficult to, to predict. Um, but you can see what they've done with some of the manoeuvring um, over the last sort of, uh, over this, this first year, about getting the ducks in a row about things like increasing commercial sponsorship and getting deals bigger. So now we've got a sleeve sponsorship that's currently paying a little bit more than the front of shirt sponsorship. And that means we can then up that for the next deal. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Etc. But um, they've made it quite clear in that letter from the chairman that the progress won't be hindered. And I'll stick with what I've said all along. There's no budget for every window. There's no overall transit bu transfer budget. They will make deals that they see or that are appealing to make, and they'll make them at the time they want to make them. And if that's in a January, it's in a January. If it's in a summer, it's in a summer. Um, I think they've got an idea where the need to be for FFP going forward, but that, again, could be a movable feast if certain other deals click into place. Um, I think they're going to be maximising their income, and I think that's this is what Darren Eels will be working on with the board to to, to look at ma maximise every single way we can generate every single penny to make things balanced, to make it easier to then invest in the squad. Um, I, it has the feeling of an exponential growth, though, that once you make that first big jump, the next jump's even bigger. So imagine in a year's time, yes, we're going to be a, a damn sight further on in terms of what depth of our squad and the quality in our squad. Um, I think we're, we're doing um, we're doing well. I think we've been robbed of a few points by some decisions, but we're, we're still hasn't got we're down. I think that win last weekend was so important uh, to keep the momentum going. I think you're going to see strengthening relationship between the, the, the community and the city and the club over the next year. One change I don't think will happen is I still think Castor really will be back uh, shirt manufacturers for next season. Um, uh, so that's, that's something I do, don't think will change. Um, but then they've got a way to work with Castoria to avoid the problems that they've had and put that right because at the end of the day it's the club badge on it. Um, and somebody needs to take responsibility for that. Um, and I think what you're going to see is you're going to see we grow in, grow in interesting ways where we become genuinely a much more fleshed out and full Premier League football club. We're no longer going to be the ghost ship that was run by Mike Ashley. Um, you're not going to have one individual wearing several hats. You're going to have proper departments with proper people in doing their work and doing their work for the betterment of the greater good of the football club and their relationships with the city and the community. Um, and, I, and I think in a year's time, we're going to be breathing down the neck uh, and be in the mix genuinely where people talk about Champions League places. I think that's where they'll want to be and I think that's where they'll get
Great stuff. Steve, same question to you, mate. Where do you see Newcastle United Football Club in 12 months' time? Um, I see it being run behind the scenes far more professionally than it was run before the takeover. I see potentially a commercial department that will be working its socks off to bring in pro proper commercial deals. And by that, having thought long and hard about it, I don't think that the commercial deals that we get will come from the sort of places that we expect. And um, by that, I mean, I don't necessarily think they'll come from the Middle East. I think that the commercial department, as it grows, will be expected to work like any other commercial department of a sports organisation and not be thinking that they'll be holding on the owners and on companies linked to the owners. I think they'll be told to go out there and work their socks off to find commercial partners. Um, don't think the commercial partners are just going to be handed to them by... Uh, the owners, because they're linked to whoever it may be, whether it's Aramco or, or an airline in the Middle East or um, a golf organisation or something like that. I think that our commercial department is now going to have to go out there and be a proper, fully-fledged commercial department to bring in revenue. I think that um, there will undoubtedly be strengthened in the squad. Whether they strengthen it in January, I'm not sure. I think what we'll see is a gradual growth in the club. I don't expect the big bang in the next 12 months to suddenly take off. Um, I think it'll be gradual. I think that I think that the owners uh, have patience. Um, and by that, I mean patience with the playing staff. Um, I, heard an, I heard an interesting... Um, I had an interesting conversation with someone who said that um, the owners are very, very much in this, not just for what we would call the long term, but the very long term. Um, so that's where the patience come, comes from, um, because they understand football. They, we might not think that the chairman and various directors um, are football people, but they are. They eat, sleep and drink football. They can hold conversations about football um, for as long as you want and probably surprise you with the knowledge of the game, um, both tactically and in terms of the, the way that we would talk about footballers and talk about games and talk about the past. Um, and because of that, that's where I think that the football club is not just in safe hands, but in absolutely great hands. Um, and it's part of this this cycle of excitement that we're that we're now getting ourselves onto. Um, we'll, we'll we will have a cup run undoubtedly because as the as the as the team continues with its growth, its confidence levels. I mean, let's face it. You look back and you think. They were on the floor when they went to Saudi for the pre for the mid mid season break. Something happened on that mid season break that changed the mentality of that squad. Yes, there was, you know, the introduction of Trippier, for example. Yes, there was introduction of of, of Bruno, but the introduction of of um, of the of the other fullback. Um, so 
what I'm saying is it wasn't just three new players coming in that made the difference. Um, the difference was that those players got to hear what the plans were for the club and got to realise that they were part of those plans. If they worked their socks off, they would be part of the plans. It was very much in their hands. If they wanted to be on the journey, then they were being invited to be on the journey. But to remain on the journey, they had to lift themselves and they had to start performing because otherwise they would be they would be pushed aside. And uh, the cogs clicked for quite a lot of that squad. The squad started to perform. The results came. The confidence levels grew, and and with that, our confidence levels in the, in them grew. We no longer whinge and bitch about players. Um, we go out there on a match day and we're hundred percent behind the eleven, whoever they are that, that turn up, uh, that are named by Eddie Howe. And let's face it, we've also got, and Eddie Howe must be delighted. He's got. He's got 110% back, and if there's such a figure in football, um, from the supporter base. Um, there's not many, many managers in in the league uh, that could turn around and say that their fan base is, is is right behind every decision that they make. But we we just turn up and we go, oh, that's the squad. I, I don't hear when the, when the team's named anymore. Um, I don't hear, oh, God, what's he playing him for, et cetera, et cetera, which you used to hear commonly right the way through the last 14 years, you know, the four changes. What's he making four changes for? You know, whether it was McLaren or whether it was it was Pardew or, or, or Rafa, um, who was prone to making changes and picking horses for courses. Um we're not hearing that anymore. We're just we just go, oh look who's look at the two o'clock. Oh look who's playing. Oh oh well he must be injured. Oh well he he must be at home. He must be being rested. That's the that's the way we are now with it. And that, that's that's great. So I see this football club of ours just on an upward trajectory. How it, how we get there is is the exciting part, but we will be getting there. Um, but I'll be patient, you know, well, until probably Saturday night and then I'll be screaming again that we've got to win the league. <laughs> Same question to you then, uh, Keith. Where do you see the club in 12 months? I agree with Neil on the first point. I think Castori Gorn's a given. I don't think people of this ilk background and will to win tolerate sloppy seconds. So I think they've gone. Um, second thing, I think I, th- I, I agree and disagree with Steve Hasty and the fact I think that sponsors, when we got the noon sponsorship, we got that to show people what what kind of value we put on different areas of the ground. And I, I think when you're looking at ground sponsorship and you're looking at you know um, shirt sponsorship, I think once fully eight years gone. Um, the, the, the used noon to set the president said that's the kind of money we want for a shirt for a slave sponsorship. So, I, the, the, the difference I've got with Steve is I, 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 I agree with your whole point, but I think I'll start with Saudi Steve. I think that I think Aramco and them and the, and the airlines will be the people who put the benchmark down and say, There you go, you want to sponsor the ground because if you won't want to pay it, we will. And then, and then the commercial team will have to get deals at that level. And I think that's all they do, which is it's the same point you're making, Steve, but I just think. The, the Saudi influence will set the benchmark. Um, I think the next thing they'll do is I think I think um, you'll see some big UK brands come forward because it's going to be the place in world football where things are going to happen. So you know every every company out there with a brand will want to get amongst it. Um, I see fringe players lasting less time, and I'm not being cruel or anything. I'm just being a realist. That in a year's time, 
I think the Murphys of the world, like who's a, who's a good footballer, he had a good game last week. I think them phrases, them kind of people. I think I think there'll be more Andersons coming through. And you look at that kid they've just signed from Australia. They're saying he's nearly ready now. But when you buy in players like that, and then you put them with our own Andersons, you can have less position for what you'd call less you know, or more average French players. So I, I think you'll see people that would have been at Newcastle not last as long. And I think people will have less time to establish themselves. I, I think Eddie Howe will always... Uh, maintain belief in a player but I just think that there's a lot of squad players being around Newcastle and what, what, what you'd say what you say there's some people in there that wouldn't get in a top 10 side that you know they still get games and come off the bench for Newcastle I think that'll change um, I think um, we'll see bigger signings in 12 months time I think I think at the moment um, I think Gamerish was as much as we could ever attract I think Botman was as much as we could ever attract fantastic players but People have said there's certain people out of our reach. And if you talk about that, if you look at the lad Liverpool bought as a centre forward, you look at the lad that Man City's bought, they never were going to come to Newcastle. I think next year, years, 12 months after this January window and after where we finish and where we start the next winter, I think you'll see some big, bigger, bigger named players coming. And they might come on the right day, they might come in a free transfer. But I think the difference is the attraction Newcastle will mean much more. I think, um, I think, sadly, you'll see the first fallout. I don't know what it will be. I'm not a mind reader, but I think you'll see Eddie Howe drop a bollock, or you'll see the owners do something to choose people. These people can't live in, in, in a glass house. They can't walk on eggshells. They've got to express themselves and do decisions. And they make great, strong decisions. You've got to sometimes get decisions wrong in business. Sometimes you've got to do something which is controversial. And, and, so it's natural. You know, Mike Ashley went out and named the, 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 the sports director arena. Um, personally, I believe we are ready now for, for, for a, a, a ramp court St. James's or whatever. And that's, what, that's what I personally think. It wouldn't change my life. Uh, but but, the, but the, the income and the kind of players you get would. So I think you'll see something happen or a fallout. Or, or, you know, it, it, it could be, you know, ASM or Bruno or somebody. Just, something will go wrong or it could be a training ground spot. But we've got to be ready for the first thing to go wrong because the minute there's no luck going wrong, we've got to be ready to back it when it does go wrong and then you'll see how good the people are at the club mm. when they put it right. Um, I think I think you'll see a big in investment in kids. Um, I think I think we'll only realise how big this young Australian lad is probably at the World Cup because he'll get some game time. I think I think he'll get in the squad. I think he'll get some game time. And, they're, and he's a baller. The kid's a really good player. So, so with all that going on, I, I, I really believe that, that Newcastle are going to bring more investment in kids. I think we're going to, I think the whole culture of this club, the fans, the people, the owners, we're not urgently nagging. It's happy programs. I think that allows you to bring kids in. You know, world beaters. So I think there's a lot of investment there. I think you'll see announcements on stadium increase because I just don't think fifty-two thousand is going to be close to being enough, and I think you'll see some noises there. I think uh, the training ground is looking brilliant from what, I, from what I'm seeing, but I think you'll see more investment there to where it becomes best training facilities in the country. In, in as quick as a follow-up, like a year later, I think I think they'll do stuff and then they'll better it and better it. Um, I think I think that, um, that the, the, the clubs, we might, we might do a Man City, we might go and link 
after another club, we might we might go and um, get a tie into another football club. You know, Man City's done it round the world. You see what uh, Red Bull's done with two clubs, and I can just see Newcastle, or I can just see PIF coming up with something else. You know, attaching us or buying something or doing it. Um, I think women's football will grow beyond. You know, my dad was putting a statement out this weekend to say that um, he felt that uh, it would be great if we could top the, the crowds. So next time you, the women play, they're trying to beat 40-odd thousand. Them, them numbers are unheard of in women's football for league games. But I think you're going to see Newcastle women being the team outside the big set with the crazy crowds. And it's going to be them daft Geordies again. It's going to be like us, you know, 50,000 plus for a championship season. And I think you're going to see the women with 52,000, you know, begging them to get into the big league. I, I, think it's going to, I think it's going to be another another story of them crazy fans up north. Um, I think that there'll be a cup run um, you know, by next year. I think we'll have won a cup by, by the end of next season. I think we'll have definitely won silverware. Um, I think that um, Saudi football will get an investment. Somewhere along the line, I can't imagine that this isn't going to roll into Saudi. I just, just think it's too it's too big and it's too good that, that you know Mitch's region, him and Stewie Penman, talk about that. And and when they talk, it sounds like it sounds great what people are doing. It sounds great how fast people are changing. And there's just a massive market of millions and millions of people there wanting to watch football. So I can't imagine Newcastle aren't going to capitalise on that in the next 12 months. I think they're going to do something, but I don't I don't know what it is. Um, I think we'll qualify to the Champions League by the end of next season. Um, and I think by the end of next season, we'll be a top three side. Great stuff. All very optimistic. Trophy by the end of next season. I didn't say the men's team or the women's team. Yeah, it could be the women's team. You never know. Joe, next 12 months, what's in store, do you think? It's a, uh, it's a fantastic question, isn't it? Um, it is. Taking on board what everybody said, uh, I guess, I think... What's been really evident is is progress on the field, but also progress off the field. And, and why will that not continue? Mitch started the show by saying this is the start of the beginning. Um, and I, I think long may that continue. So, yes, commercially, um, I, I kind of agree. Deals like Fun 8-8 will not exist anymore. That You know, there's, there's lots of things attached to our football club that are things of the past now. I kind of agree with what Keith said in terms of I, I, I do think there'll be a massive Saudi Arabian um, influence on that, whether it be the, the stadium rights, the name on the front of the shirt, you know, the golf, the, the airline, whatever it's going to be. There's probably an air of sensitivity attached to that. So I still think we'll do things as diplomatically and as sensitively as, 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 as I guess uh, we need to in the modern world that we live in. Um, I think it would have been highly... Well, it'd have been beyond con controversy, wouldn't it, if we'd have just painted kind of the stadium green and, and had our arm, uh, arm co all over the place, uh, uh, you know, a year ago today. So I still think we'll do things properly. Um, but I do think Saudi Arabia is coming and I think Saudi Arabia will want to make a point. Um, on the field, um, I think we'll continue to be looking at the likes of um, Isaac. I think we'll be looking at the likes of Sven Botman um, because why would we not now? We're certainly not going to start making backward steps in the transfer market now. This is the market that we're into. I love the optimism of the guys. Pato, I'd love to think we'd be a Champions League side in the next 12 months, but I tell you what, I'd love to be an established 
top seven, six side, um, you know, and then maybe push on the, the, the year after. I actually, just as you, you asked the question, I was thinking, I wouldn't mind seeing Wembley at some point soon. Um, you know, I haven't been to the new one. Um, so I, I'd very much like to think that uh, there's a trip to Wembley coming uh, at some point, whether that be in the League Cup. But you know what? I hope we just keep feeling like we're feeling and I hope we can still have this conversation about optimism and pushing on even more and bigger and better stadiums and bigger and better footballers. Um, you know, so I'm just going to go along with the ride. I think wherever we end up, what we won't be doing in 12 months' time is worrying about the Championship and that'll do for me. Great stuff, some great points being made as well. Tom says, I wonder if in years' time we'll start to see the beginnings of a city football group type organisation with clubs in other countries linked and affiliated to us. Interesting. Steve, I don't think this will happen. Will they change the black and white stripes to green and white? Definitely not. Uh, definitely not. The green and white strip, though, uh, lot, lots of people wear them with pride. Uh, BT, I did see this earlier on, so I've kept a hold of it for now. Um, 35 Premier League matches. 15 wins, 10 draws, 10 defeats, average 1.57 points per match. And over the course of a full 38-match season, that equates to around 60 points. The question BT asked was, uh, is it time now to start judging Eddie Howe, Mitch? Do you know what? I think that conversation could have come into play for hadn't won the last game. And I, and I, I think don't underestimate the significance of that win. Um, but no... I think you've got to factor into that record what he inherited in the state the club was in and the state the squad was in and the lack of fitness and what he had to do to get them working his way and playing his way. We talked about his tenure last season have been a, 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 a sort of a, 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 a three-part act. The first part was getting them into shape and getting them organised. The second was seeing the results from that and the third was reaping the benefit of putting it all together. Um, this season, some of the draws we've had, but we're not talking about turning losses into draws to get the points. We're talking about where these draws have happened and we should have had a win. And, I, and, and that, you've got to remember, is also a very different conversation. So I think um, it would be harsh, but such is the nature of football. It's a results business. We've got people who expect results on in the club and I think if we hadn't got three points against Fulham at the weekend, I think um, it could have been a conversation being chucked around. Um, but it didn't. We, we put that to bed quite nicely, and I think another good result this weekend. And uh, everybody's back on sync and back on harmony. Great way to look at it, Dan. You've put some great comments in there. He says, easy. We'd be fifth if the league started when he took over and ended today. Incredible job. Steve, has been a great job. Kept us in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. All, all, when all looked lost, it will yeah. wondrous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you look at you look at the way that that it's gone, but you look at you look at this season, and all you have to do is with with the squad is just turn those draws into wins. That's that's what he's looking for. And I agree, Mitch. The, the, he is under pressure, but there's not a Premier League manager that's not. The pressure that Eddie Howe is is that just turn the turn turn a draw into a win, as opposed to the pressure that Steve Bruce, for example, was was under, which was turn a defeat into a win. You know, and you never ever looked. The the team is stronger now. The confidence is there. They're playing well, um, and it's just that rub of the green. I think Keith mentioned earlier on about you know we've just got to we've just got to get over this hurdle of uh, 
terrible VAR decisions that sometimes go against us. But uh, there will be a time, and I think that's the in the, in that twelve months you're talking about. There will be a time where Eddie Howe will be under pressure, um, and it 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 does. It's the nature of the game now that the managers feel the pressure first, um, but it all hinges on how patient the owners are. I mean, if we were languishing towards the bottom of the league and looking like we're relegation fodder, then yeah, almost certainly changes were made, uh, would be made. But uh, at the moment, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting quite well, we're playing decent football and it's all part of a plan. So um, is now the time to criticise or question? I don't think so. I think we've, I think we've all got to be patient um, and we're all, we're all, all being patient and, I think that from what we're seeing, from what we're hearing, Eddie is doing the right thing by the right people. Um, I think that the players have bought into it. Um, and as I say, it's just, you know, getting the goals. We we said before last week's show that we needed the goals from the midfield. The midfielders had to, had to come to the fork. God, did they not on, on Saturday? You know, the, that's where the three of the four goals came from. And it probably surprised us all. Um, you know, if anybody was saying that we we're going to get the goals that we did from Longstaff and Miggy uh, and the quality of the goals as well. Um, but it, it shows that, the, the, you know, the team are together. Um, no, nah, let's let's just let let's just let the journey carry on. Let's just let 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 Eddie stick with the raid. Let's not put too much pressure there. Um, let's not question it. Keith, same question to you just about Eddie Howe. I mean, he's done a remarkable job in a, in a short space of time for me. And um, just listening to him again at the press conference today, I'm not sure he had time to hear it, but um, he was asked six times about the uh, the Saudi ownership in that press conference in 32 minutes. He asked it, he was asked it six times and just never mind the way that he deals with football decisions, but the way that he deals with the press is, is phenomenal. Rafa was great. So Bobby was great. Keegan was great. Um, Joe Harvey was b- before my time. I don't know how he was with the press. I can imagine him giving them a few expletives. But but anyhow, just is everything I would want in a manager and a bit more. So uh, is it time to judge him? I would say, yeah, he's done a bloody good job. Joe Harvey would have filled any of the press in. That, uh, <laughs> that, 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 they'd ask him the wrong question. Joe Harvey was as was that, hard only Gibble. <laughs> Joe Harvey was hard as nails and uh, he wouldn't take any shit off anyone. But um, I think I think when you look at people, I'll, I'll name two people. Dalgleish struggled with some of the press, um, but the one the one man who tried to take the press on, tried to be clever, was Gordon Strachan. He always tried to you know he always tried to make humour out of it and sort of take the Mickey out of them. And it always seemed to backfire. But the press can kill you. The press can can make life difficult. And um, when you look at Steve Bruce this week, it's a persistent and a consistent. Um, it's not me. It's not them. Or oh, every opposition plays against Steve Bruce are brilliant. Oh, these are a great side. Good man. You play. You play Shamrock Rovers. They're brilliant. Eddie Howe never overbigs the the away team. He respects them, but he doesn't overbig them. But where Eddie Howe's for me, he's got it. Is he's he's articulate. Um, he appears to be very calm and soft. And I'm told he's anything but. Um, so I think Eddie Howe's got a million more things in his locker. I think only I'll be. I, I do say it. I don't think only an idiot would would question Eddie Howe's contribution to Newcastle, because what he did to keep us up 
to air follow Steve Bruce on anything, I would like to follow him on the toilet. But to follow Steve Bruce <laughs> in a football club and follow Steve to follow Steve Bruce in a training ground and it, and it, in a in a in a, I mean, all right, follow his methods, fine. But but you know, when you when you when you pick up Sean Longstaff after what Steve Bruce did them, you've got a broken, damaged property. That's what you've got. Make no bones about it. He wrecked the kid. He he. he he went to work, and I, I told the club this while I was working with him. I said, I said, you know, we're short of players. You've got a lad there, Sean Longstaff. And all the players were saying he's the best player we've got in training during the week. But when he went to work and he looked at uh, Steve Bruce and boss, he wouldn't even look at him, wouldn't acknowledge him, wouldn't even pretend he was in the same room. And that's what Steve Bruce did. Some said it was because he wouldn't sign a contract. That's irrelevant. You don't treat people in the 20s like work. Eddie Howes took all that away. Eddie Howe's clearly got, and, and people question whether he can manage a big player. But I don't think he's done bad with Maxi at the minute. I don't think he's done bad with Bruno, and they're big players in my book. I think he's done well with Bottman, Bottman because what he's done is, in a professional way, he said, You've got to pay for your place, you've got to be in, and you've got to be playing. You know? Like, like if Dan Burns the best, you're getting in, and, and, and then, then he's dropped target. You know what I mean? So, so I, think, I think Eddie Howe's got a freak good man management style. Um, but, but, in seeing all of that, um, I, I just I just don't know what people want because it's twelve months since Wolves and, and and we were you know we were dog shit down Wolves. So if 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 we were that bad and you've avoided relegation after 14, 14 games without a win, and you know go back some of them experiences, you know when we turned against Everton that day, it was just. It was just a great place to be in your life. The day that night we turned on Everton against Arsenal last season, they, they, they died for that game to get in the Champions League and they couldn't get near us. And Liverpool away, we battered them. Man City at home, we, 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 we shocked the life out of them. And for a bloke to do all that with a new squad is tremendous. But what I'd like to do is share with, with the people listening something that you, you, you four lads know is... There was a time early in the season, it's one of the worst kept secrets, where the owners, I'm told, of Ruman, um, Saudi golf's director, Manda Mead, had all in the room with Eddie Howe. He was asked which players he wanted. And it's, it's, a, it's a poorly kept secret. He was offered two players off them. This, you know, and, and, and it was offered in such a way that they were saying, you know, come on, tell us who you want. And the two players he was offered was Pogba and Neymar. That was the two people. They said, do you want us to get you them? And the director knocked Hedy out, out of his perch a bit because, you know, like when someone offers you near man Pogba, that's quite, big, quite a big statement. But he stopped and gathered himself and said no. And he, his answer was, he said he, he didn't think that they were the best in the, in the, around the club and in the, on the training ground. He didn't think that their spirit would be what he's trying to build. And I think, good on you, son. What a pair of balls you've got. To turn around in, in a money atmosphere like that and deny some mega signings because a lesser manager would have took them. Who would turn down Neymar? How many managers would turn down a player like that? But I'm told very reliably that Eddie Howe did. And the press, the press know about this. And you look at it, you think, well, if he thinks that he's going to build it up with people that's going to put a shift in from, like a target or like a Joe Linton, or he's going to, he's going to bring Anderson through. I think it'll last longer. And I think that that tells you that everybody's got a chance. Someone's not just going to come in for, you know, you know, 
like your, your hundred million. How, how much is Frankie De Jong on? Like four hundred thousand. Is it is it, it four hundred seventy thousand pound a year? So, so anybody can bring them in and last a season or two because you've seen it. You've seen it up to Chelsea and other places. Could Eddie Howe say no, no? I want to bring people to weld to what we've got. And so I think I think he's here for the long term. I don't think I, I I'm not getting the impression that somebody's going to come in next year because he's failed. I, I, one, I don't think he'll fail, and two, I, I, I don't think PIF the kind of people will wait around forever. But I think Eddie Howe will tick it and build it, and I think there'll be constant progress. And I don't think he'll take the England job. I think he'll win silverware at Newcastle before anything like that happens. And for me. Anybody that doesn't think he's done a great job lost the plot. Great stuff. Uh, big shout out to Tommy. He's sitting watching with his dad, Ian yeah. Toon Trader. Thank you, mate. Uh, did see that. Uh, Joe, um, Eddie Howe, sum him up. He's got to go. I think it's boring. I think it's one dimensional. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not kidding now. No, listen, uh, listen. What, I, what a job! What a job! I think you think, buddy. <laughs> the question, the question was though that you know around is on. You know, is it time to judge Eddie Howe? Eddie Howe's been judged since the first minute he walked into. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, don't forget there was a massive faction of fans who, who who questioned the appointment. Fans didn't want him. You know, you know. We were looking at Emery, we were looking at Benitez coming back, and all of a sudden we've got the bloke who got relegated to Bournemouth, and, and people didn't like it. Um, but I tell you what, there's only one way to shut people up, isn't there? It's the way that I'm waiting for Sam Maximum to keep shutting me up, and that's to do his job and, and do what he gets paid for, and none more so than Eddie Howe. Um, and do you know what? I think it was House, was it his first training or something? You know, there was that classic kind of clip now of uh, he was sprinting and kind of, you know, in, in training, showing them how it's done. And I just thought, you know what, we've got a manager or, or we've got a coach, certainly. Um, could he have done any wrong? I guess so. It could have gone very wrong. Um, you know, had we have been relegated, had we not have had that run of results? Yeah, things could have been very, very different. But I think... I, I think in terms of giving the guy time, um, yes, he's been used to working with a certain set of players. You know, we're talking about the next 12 months and actually if we're going to start adding quality and more Brunos and more Botmans and, and more Isaacs into the side, then, that, you know, what a job. He's got a fantastic job, but what he's got to keep doing is he's got to keep producing results. Um, and Mitch is right. You know, we, we called it last week, didn't we? It wasn't a, it wasn't a, 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 a you know a must win, but I tell you what, if we hadn't got three points, the league would have looked very differently. And I think people do start to look at Eddie Howe all of a sudden. Um, so so long may it continue. I, th I think you know the, the more the football club grows, one of the nice things about it is you know we're not doing this with Joe Kinnear in charge, are we? You know we're actually doing it with an intelligent, articulate, progressive, well-spoken, um, uh, you know kind of modern manager, if you like, exactly what our football club needs at the moment. One of the things we've never been very good at, certainly in the last 15 years, is is talking to, to fans and communicating the football club. Uh, um, and there's nobody better in the game at the moment than Eddie Howe in doing that. So um, uh, the interesting bit, I guess, for me is, had we have signed Paul Pogba, had we have signed Neymar and Mbappe and everybody else, 
then we'll see what Eddie Howe's like. At the moment, he's managing guys that Eddie Howe can manage. And I think I think maybe for me, one of the things about um, you know everything going too well at the moment, what we don't seem to have at the minute is a bad apple. And at some point, I genuinely believe that Al Ramayan and PIF will want Paul Pogba in that midfield. I, I absolutely do. Um, you know, I think at the moment we tolerate the guys that we've got, but if you want them to be the biggest and the best and, and the shiniest, you've got to do it with these big names, haven't you? And I think that's where a true test of the metal will come because I think it's all right shifting some of the players around at the moment, but I don't know what type of reaction he gets when he starts to take Pogba out of the side and, and you know, dropping kind of Mbappe, you know, then we'll see what type of a manager he is. So, listen, in terms of me, 10 out of 10, we've been brilliant. He kept us up and we're, what, 7th, 6th in the league, whatever, and we'll win tomorrow. Um, and great, we'll keep going. Great stuff. Uh, 15 minutes left. A lot to cram in. Uh, let's get Elliot's joke of the weekend. Okay, joke of the week from Elliot this week is... You heard about the new drug that the Yorkshire folk are injecting near their teeth? e gum, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff, mate. Brilliant stuff. Uh, and now, time for Steve Hastie's favourite part of the week. Now, we've missed Keith the last couple of weeks. He's had a bit of time off. Um, <laughs> There we go. <laughs> performing at the Eggemon Burning Festival. <laughs> Keith, I do advise you to watch the start of the show as well. There's something re- really funny, but I'll leave that to you. Uh, Tom Dixon says, Steve, <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> um, these people haven't been speaking, Steve. I've not said the same uh, got this one from uh, Jacob. He says, "I see Steve Hasty has a spot on Mock the Week panel." <laughs> nice top, nice top. Uh, this one was sent uh, from Joe. What's <laughs> amazing? The kids have me phone, Steve. On it. <laughs> and this one, Sam Chipperfield. Is Emma Thompson Steve Hasty's stunt double? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three and one from Rita, uh, from Tim. Sorry, from Q Tech. Here's the and Eddie Howe talking tactics. <laughs> And finishing off with a couple for Steve. This one, Wayne Bennett says, we're down tonight, and who should stroll past? It was Steve Hasty. <laughs> and last but by <laughs> Tom McField says, looking like you know who, at least he's pulled a bird. Oh, my God, that dog. <laughs> that dog all Thanks for those hasty ones. We did, a, we did match day live, and we, we, off, we Monday night, me and Joe have guests on, etc. Babo, um... <laughs> Babo got compared to little Richard this week. 
Yeah. Yeah. see that. Kevin Childers got compared to uh, Kevin Nolan. Kevin Nolan, yes. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Thanks very much. Uh, my mate Chris, he's a Sunderland fan. Don't hold that against him. He thinks he's Jesus now. Uh, <laughs> I, did, uh, I did correct him. I said he looks more like David Koresh. <laughs> Uh, a few more uh, looking like he's here. Uh, when did Steve Ray sneak in? That was this team photograph uh, when Newcastle won last weekend. <laughs> I think that's one of the physios. He has got a, an uncanny resemblance to me uh, back in the monkey in the 90s. Um, <laughs> also, they're, they're, there's the same lad sitting on the bench at Fulham. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did notice that. Uh, what I was quite quite upset about was this one. Mark Slavin says, I know we won 4-1, but come on, Steve Ray, show a little decorum. Gosford drunk, urinated in busy hospital a and waiting in front of disgusted patients. It looks absolutely nothing like me. God almighty, but I've showed it. Um, this one was from Lenny Walker, our dad. Uh, he says, that's tuned tipster out for a while. <laughs> it hurt, man. Huh? That's our dad. Uh, and Gaza sent this one. Are we? <laughs> And <laughs> Stu Penman didn't escape this week. Mock of the Week is presented oh, by a, Stu Penman. That's a belter. <laughs> and Ben Jacobs' jump back always causes controversy. Uh, as good as Ben <laughs> Jacobs is, he's a little bit of a menace at the time, says uh, Jacob. <laughs> Oliver Holt's been doing the rounds again this week. Uh, Mick Gilchrist didn't uh, like what he had to say. He says, submission for lookalike this week is a Saudi-hating Oliver Holt with a cockwomble. <laughs> Very good, mate. Very good. Connor Ben was also in the news. You can't walk around like Buzz Lightyear and think nobody was going to notice, says Jamal. <laughs> good look, Alecky. And this one. Owen says, Toon look, Alecky. Mitch ready for his holidays. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Owen. Uh, Rita Oxley sent this one. Craig Bellamy and Warwick Davies. Gabby and Sharpay. Apologies to the Sharpay. <laughs> <laughs> last few we're coming up to uh, this one Jimmy Watts says hi Steve one for Friday look like John Joe Shelby in the House of Dragon Prince Aegon Targaryen <laughs> very similar look I... very similar look yeah uh, Lewin Kurzawa and Nashu Varga <laughs> tell you that, that's close that like isn't it it's good, that. yeah very good. Could be separated at birth. That is a proper yep. lookalikey. Uh, lookalikey Steve Cooper and Steve Buscini. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Steve Cooper one we've had in weeks. Oh. There's been some absolute horrors. This one, for example, Steve Cooper delivering his half-tank team talk. At last <laughs> Poor bugger. He gets more grief than you, Steve. He does. Neto. Uh, off of Bournemouth, and is that a Formula One driver? I've cut the Jensen name off. Button, isn't it? Jensen Button. Button. Yeah, That's Jensen what it is. Button. There we go. Jensen Button off Formula One. Thanks That's for that. that and this one Wheel of Fortune host Vanna White and Amanda Stavely. Yeah. Hey. From Steve Kennedy. Very good. Yeah. Name. yeah. Like, like that one as well. Um, Harry Kane and Ryan Gosling. Yes. From yes. Tom Dixon. And Fernando looks like Barack Obama from Tom. It's good, that. It is, isn't it? Yeah. 
Brad Friedel looks like Bruce Willis. Hold on a minute. Not uh, someone that looked like Willis on here. <laughs> and Eden Hazard looks like Nick Jonas, says Tom. Yes. Mm. Yep. See that. Okay. Top three. Vinnie Jones and Vojislav Govdarika out of Rambo. Who? I've got no idea, and I'm not going to pronounce it again. Yeah. <laughs> At number two. <laughs> Pretty good, that. Gareth Southgate, and I don't know who the other chap is. And the winner this week. Steve Eddie Howe and my mate Anthony from Edward Farms. Very good, mate. Very good. <laughs> Excellent stuff, guys. Keep it going. Uh, send those uh, lookalikes in and we will endeavour to feature them each week. Just checking the shoe t shirt while we're live on air. And Steve Bennett was in at £400 for the Shearer shirt. So we're £400. Now that's going to change. I'm going to give you two more minutes, guys, because uh, I know George likes to. Uh, get in as well. And he often does it when I'm uh, busy on air and I don't get the opportunity to uh, see anything. Hey, lads, Newcastle play Brentford tomorrow, three o'clock kickoff. Speaking uh, today, Eddie Howe confirmed Darlow and long term injury, Emil Kraft are sidelined. John Joe Shelby, Isaac are back in light training. ASM and Joe Linton are set to return against Brentford. Uh, as for Brentford, well, Pontus Johnson is downfall with a hamstring. That's it. Basically, Supermac and uh, Gibbo are doing the rounds, uh, Gibbo and Ando. Uh, so Gibbo and Ando are at Pumphrey's 12.30. Supermac will be at uh, the Dog and Parrot 12.30 and 6.30 uh, after the game. Um, as for the referee tomorrow, it is John Brooks and Paul Tierney is on VAR. Uh, we're going to go to Toon Stato first before we ask the lads for their predictions. Hi all and happy first anniversary since the takeover. We'll be celebrating this anniversary with a home game against Brentford, which last year was also Eddie Howe's first game in charge for Newcastle. It's a bit symbolic. In this one year, Eddie Howe led Newcastle in 35 league games, registering 15 wins, 10 draws and 10 defeats till now, which is exactly 60 points or 1.5 per game which is enough to put us in top 7, top 8 in most of the Premier League seasons. So we have established our safe, ourselves as a top 10 club. Now, when it comes to Brentford, a relatively short history in the top flight. In the last overall six league meetings, you can also have five wins and only one draw, which was Eddie Howe's debut last year, the 3-3 home game. Now, Brentford themselves have... Uh, gone 19 games without clipping a clean sheet away from home since last week when they managed to get a new new with Brentford and it was their first for the period that I mentioned. The last three London teams that came to St. James's Park didn't score a goal, two games with Crystal Palace and a game against Arsenal. So this is a, a nice start for Newcastle for the coming game. And Miguel Almiron has scored three goals in his last six games for us. Well, when he scored three goals in the previous 48, so he's a man in form and we can expect a lot from him on Saturday. Let's wish the guy success and hopefully we celebrate in style on Saturday.
Great stuff, Andrea. Thanks very much for that. Uh, Mitch, uh, have you got the dice this week or not? I have got the dice this week. Yeah, roll the dice, lad. Roll the dice. Okay, and we'll come up with a penman. 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Okay. Steve Hasty, prediction? 2-0. Keith Patterson? 3-0 Newcastle. And Joe? 5-1 Newcastle. 5-1. 5-1 Newcastle. Oh, wow. Well, I went 2-0 last night. I'm going to stick to that. Uh, right, okay. We're going to go with the T-shirt information. I've been in conversation backwards and forwards with Steve Bennett and George, uh, as always, George Hayes, uh, in there. Um, I have suggested that John from q does two T-shirts uh, because both guys have been neck and neck, neck and neck, uh, and I've agreed on 450 each. So that's 900 quid raised wow. for the food bank from the Alan Shearer T-shirt. So that is great way to finish. Uh, tonight's show but finish tonight's show says Julie without troll of the week <laughs> troll of the week was uh, last week it was sent Manx Pie says first plane load of uh, heading off to Turkey to benefit from NUFC's new sponsor <laughs> that's me and Keith sitting in the front there <laughs> Lee John Lee, uh, Alan Shira, John Joe Shelby. I don't have for the baldies, that's what they used to say in that, uh, in that film. But, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, keep your trolls coming. There's been plenty of them on this uh, panel tonight. Okay, next week we are doing uh, another T-shirt for the Food Bank, the latest in our range of signed T-shirts. This week it's Steve Howie. I'll stick that up on my Twitter, ASAP. So Steve will sign that. Get your bids in. Usual crack. I'll put it on the top. Pin it on my uh, Twitter, at Steve Wraith. Uh, just give us a follow and then place a bid and we will announce it. Uh, the winner next week. Uh, as always, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to everybody in the chat. I know you've had your work cut out tonight. It was always going to be like that when we were talking takeover, uh, celebrating it. But thank you to everybody. Look forward to seeing you. Uh, those of you who are going to the Irish Centre uh, in uh, a little uh, while's time, uh, big thanks to the lads. As always, see you uh, at the Irish Centre. And uh, we will be back next week before the big football match. Take care, lads. Have a good weekend. Take care, yeah. everyone. See you guys. See you guys. A big thanks to our sponsors, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 2523, email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, based on Old Durham Road in Gateshead. Their phone number is 0191478 You can email Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or go to the website darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists based on Nun Street. The GOHD.com is their website. And thanks again to Three Property Investments, who specialise in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the Northeast. They offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you. They've done over 100 plus deals in the past 12 months for clients all over the UK. Give them a follow on Instagram, matty.patter underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property or email phil at threeproperty.co.uk if you're interested in getting a good 
property deal. Thanks to the lads at Mr. Vicky's uh, Handmade in Cumbria. These are hot sauces, and you can find them at mrvickys.co.uk or place an order uh, by ringing 01768 Thanks also to the lads at Blowhole Brewery. A fine uh, amount of ales available from their website, www.blowholebrewery.co.uk. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video technology. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. And the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe, hit the badge in the corner and you can subscribe for free. Still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up to like the video and click share to share via social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and the rest. And if you want to become a member, click join underneath this video or you can put your smartphone over the QR code. It will take you to the membership section of the website. Uh, if you choose to go that way, uh, then you will get a pen, a cup, a scarf and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw for a one-off payment of £25. We also give you something for free. If you want a car window sticker, email john at nufcmatters.com and he will send you one if you are a subscriber. We also help the food bank on here. Uh, NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk is the match day bucket. If you go there, you can make a virtual donation at any time of the year. And don't forget, Peter Beardsley Soccer School, October half term, Monday the 24th to Friday the 28th of October. You can book now, peterbeardsleysoccerschool.com. Peter's also running Monday night training on the 26th of October. Again, the same website. And if you want to meet Peter Beardsley, well, you've got three chances. Newcastle Legends game, Friday, October the 14th. The Peter Beardsley talk-in is taking place after the game. Tickets for this are available from nufcmatters.com. Adult admission is a fiver. Junior admission is £2. The talking is adults only, and that is a tenner. And uh, the events are all taking place at the Fox Hunters Pavilion in North Shields. We've got Peter Beardsley available, uh, tickets available for the St Dom's Catholic Club show. Uh, you need to go straight to their website um, and uh, you just buy your tickets there. And for this one at the Irish Centre, uh, tickets are available now on NUFC Matters. Com. Don't forget, Supermax at the Dog and Parrot, every pre-match and every post-match, every home game. And John Gibson and John Anderson are at Pumphrey's pre-match only. If you did like our true crime stuff, it has all migrated to the true crime channel. So get yourself across there on YouTube and subscribe today.